Note to our listeners, due to social distancing restrictions, today's episode may sound different. The MedVets appreciate your understanding. Thank you, Dr. Vera, for joining us today on the MedVets. We're going to discuss patient reviews, and if you would like to just start by introducing yourself, what do you do, how do you get to where you are now, mm-hmm. and what do reviews mean to you, and how do you mm-hmm. go about using them on your daily everyday use. Sure. Well, first, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate both of you for taking the time uh, on this important topic and would like to thank the MedVets organization for all all that they do uh, for the cause. And I would like to add my special thanks to all the veterans out there who are listening for for your service. So I did my spine surgery training at Cleveland Clinic, moved down to Dallas here. I'm at UT Southwestern, where I'm assistant professor of orthopedic surgery and neurosurgery. And I uh, operate both at the main hospital as well as a new uh, collaboration between UT Southwestern and THR. Texas Health Resources Hospital in Frisco. As you know, Frisco is one of the uh, fastest growing zip codes in America, and it's been a great kind of a growing opportunity to um, provide subspecialty spine care to a very rapidly growing part of the country. How often would you say in your everyday life, when you make a consultation, an appointment, not even Mm -hmm. for healthcare related, right? Mm -hmm. How often do you use something like that? These apps and stuff with the tech movement and stuff has really affected all of our lives, and we are incorporating it more and more in our day-to-day decisions, whether it's figuring out where to go to eat or what kind of a dry cleaner to use and stuff. So I think it's becoming a, an everyday part of our life. One important difference is that when you're evaluating, let's say, a restaurant, you know, what was the waiter service like or waitress service like? What was the cleanliness of the restaurant? What was the quality of the food, certainly? What was the office staff, the front desk, you know, the entire experience? And when you place a review for a restaurant, it incorporates all of that. In contrast, a doctor, and many and many doctors, most doctors work in, in large systems, don't have as much control over all the aspects, the other aspects of the patient experience, other than what the time you spend with the doctor is, you know? When we yeah. write a review on Yelp, mm-hmm. we place a review about the entire organization, you know? Yeah. Whereas when, when someone looks at a review or when someone writes a review about a doctor, they may or may not be commenting on the quality of the doctor themselves. Oftentimes, it's about parts of the practice that that the doctor really has very little control of. And let's, over. And let's be honest, yeah. sorry to cut you off. Nine times, I mean, I could have a good experience, and yeah. I'm like, damn, I need to go write, write a review, and I never do it. Right. When you have a bad one. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> right. We always make sure to write that experience. You know what's funny is I've written one review probably within the last two years. It was for American Airlines. And the lady that helped me, I mean, I was stuck in there in the airport mm-hmm. and she really helped out my situation mm-hmm. and wrote customer service and they gave me a 7,500, you know, air miles. Oh, okay. I was like, well, hey, mm-hmm. you know, Everyone I'll take that. Everyone fly American, make sure you write a good review. Right? <laughs> exactly, exactly, yeah. <laughs> Another important difference between businesses and and doctors is that the knowledge of between the buyer and the seller, and this is the fancy word in economics, is called information asymmetry. You go to Best Buy, you go to a store, whatever, wherever you like, and you have some idea of what a good TV looks like or what you're looking for in a TV. You have a pretty, and you do some research online, you know what size of the TV. You have a pretty good, at the end of the day, you have a pretty good understanding of what kind of TV you want. And when you when you look for a TV, you know what you're buying, you know? When you go to a doctor, no matter how much you research your condition or go to you know WebMD or other sort of websites, which certainly are very good and very empowering for patients, and they should, they should thrive and they, they should be out there, it's very hard to have a good understanding of your condition and what a good quality experience is. I mean, the major ones I see are Facebook. People are saying, hey, go like us on Facebook, leave a comment, mm-hmm. Yelp. In Google, because everyone wants to, I, I'm not sure how the algorithm works, but everyone wants to be on the top of Google, right? Yeah. And then 
just the thing, in 10 years from now, we're gonna have something totally different than Google, and everyone's gonna be trying to be on top of that. But again, it's getting better, Keith, <laughs> not worse. Okay? Well, like <laughs> You know, we kind of have this, this banter because, again, I'm the Gen X, he's the millennial. We can kind of sh share those stories. And back in my day, when we wanted to re get referred to a doctor, a dentist, or another a medical professional, we would either talk to our neighbor, our friend, or we would inquire by the insurance company. They would give us a list of different doctors that accept, you know, our insurance, mm -hmm. and that's what we go through. But now, a lot of patients are using different search engines. It can be good, it can be bad, but I'm still confused of how analytics work. But so. I, I do say what you said made a lot of sense, right? Back in your day, word of mouth was the most profitable, and it still is to this day, right? It's still following those reviews, because now, let's say, Dr. Vera, you leave a comment on Yelp, because we, you went to shop at Tracy's Bakery, mm -hmm. and, and, and it was amazing, mm -hmm. right? It was okay. Keith, Keith, yeah, you see, Keith, <laughs> and Keith had a bad experience because, you know, Tracy was out of his favorite donuts. Mm -hmm. so now he writes a review, but I see your review, and that's kind of like a word of mouth. So now I can say, hey, Dr. Vera, how, mm -hmm. like, how, how was it? Mm -hmm. You can really tell me, so now we can connect to that way. So I think word of mouth is still heavy because what I do when I go search reviews, I go see, like, you know, the first two, the most recent, mm -hmm. and then I go see the worst. Mm -hmm. <laughs> because yeah. the worst, when they complain about it, it's pretty much the same complaint. You just tell they had a bad time. But you're, you're, what are you looking at reviews for? Are you looking at for retail or medical and professional? I just recently started using the med medical professional ones, and basically I would just see what people say. I have I wouldn't say I use Google, Yelp, or anything, probably. Whatever just came up, to be honest. Mm -hmm. I would say, Why is so that? Because they don't, I, I would say there's so much more out there. There's like, I think mean, you mentioned WebMD, Doc, Doctegrity, or mm -hmm. Doximity. Mm -hmm. There's just so many platforms out there. It's like, and to be honest, no, no shots, Dr. Bear. No worries. These suggestions aren't updating their stuff. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> not I agree. Yeah. Profile. I agree. I agree. So yeah, yeah, no. It, it, it makes it hard for me as a patient to actually do my research. So I have to go with what I'm handed. So mm -hmm. I guess my next question would be like, what, what would you say? As a physician, are some things that you can do, maybe that you want to do, or some, some tips that you can give other physicians as a way to engage your patients to create that atmosphere for positive reviews, right? Whether it's sending emails, having good quality care services, mm -hmm. incentives, anything, video mm -hmm. testimonials. What would you say are some things that you do want to do or mm -hmm. that you've seen mm -hmm. physicians doing that would really create that positive mm -hmm. atmosphere so that Tracy would leave and say, yeah, mm -hmm. I'm going to write a review and let everybody know how my experience was. Every every physician and every, and every business, for that matter, should do what's within their comfort zone. You know, mm -hmm. what I do and what's within my comfort zone is that and a lot of my patients, they are very thankful of, of the surgery that they had, and they bring it up that, oh, I would love to, you know, let me know if, if I can do anything for you in terms of re leaving a good review. So a lot of my patients bring it up to me. In that case, I engage with them like, hey, there's Yelp, there's, I think I'm, it's like, I think I'm on Google, I'm on Yelp, and then I kind of direct them in that direction. But from, for, in my experience, it's all been patient-driven. I think, you know, so what you said, Marcus, was really correct, that you have to take everything with a grain of salt. These are all different data points. And we and you all kind of have to make sense of it yourself. You know, a, a study out of Mayo Clinic, a couple studies that Mayo Clinic have done have compared physicians with good versus bad reviews to Press-Ganey scores. And, and Press-Ganey okay. scores are measures, are objective measures that are nationally used of patient experience. What do they call so Press-Ganey, Press yeah. And their, their hospitals have used them, utilize them very aggressively in terms of um, internally evaluating their care processes um, and evaluating their physicians within their mm -hmm. practices, you know. Mm -hmm. And so this study basically compared Press-Ganey 
clinical outcome scores and patient experience scores, which are nationally uh, validated large data pools, versus online reviews for individual physicians of various specialties. And they compared patients with ba- or physicians with bad reviews with physicians with good reviews compared to their Preskini scores. And they found no correlation <laughs> that, a, that, a, that a physician could have bad reviews online but provide very good healthcare and very good patient experience, which includes not just their clinical treatment, but things like bedside manner, you know, good comfort, all that stuff, you know? Yeah. Um, and patients could have very good reviews and could, and but based on Preskini scores, may not have the best results, you know? Yeah. So again, just underscores what Marcus was saying about, you got to take everything with a grain of salt, you know, really understand where the, where the reviews are coming from. With you, Keith, that, you know, I think the word of mouth, talking to your friends and family members still remains the number one best way to to get information about about a doctor or or any business yeah i agree and yeah i will be old school in in that regard and you know what's funny is my clinical background is i was a surgical tech in the military and then when i was going through school i also worked in uh, labor and delivery so i helped out a lot with with uh with Mm c-sections and it was funny that i was always curious as to why um the labor and delivery floor always had five stars you know, <laughs> and it's like, I, 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 it, it never dawned on me. Like, you know, we're always getting the top marks. We were the best in the hospital, and I didn't understand why. But then I realized that they go in in pain, mm-hmm. and they leave with a bundle of joy. Yes. You know, and so, <laughs> yeah. and so, so because of that, because they're happy, they have a different experience right. than the normal patient. Right. And so, they hey, they're leaving with the baby. They're happy. So, they'll be, they're more inclined to go mm-hmm. right positive reviews mm-hmm. and they were always getting five mm-hmm. stars but mm-hmm. you know those little things you know matter you know the little thing as far as getting something do you think that it's because perhaps a maternity patient is better prepared than let's say a spinal patient you, you were saying you know earlier and I'm, and I'm sorry to butt in mm-hmm. but you know a, a patient will come in with a couple of days worth of pain you give them an anti-inflammatory and perhaps they don't think that they have good care there's so much misinformation as good as the internet is for informing mm-hmm. it's also just as bad for misinforming people so you look at a maternity patient and she needs to go through months and months of lamas so she knows exactly what could and couldn't happen what might go wrong with you know every single possibility so to them because they were mentally prepared it feels like they had a great time yeah. whereas a patient doesn't know that the the SOP the standard operating procedure is anti-inflammatories, MRI. We're doing this because, you know, it's the least invasive model. It has nothing Mm -hmm. to do with your care or your insurance. We can avoid, Mm -hmm. you know, causing you harm and can fix you. Then, you know, this is the best route. So I'm just wondering how much true knowledge goes into it or goes in hand with people talking amongst each other and giving those positive reviews. Yeah. People feel like they're in pain. I want this fixed, you know, right now. You know, in just about anything that we do, my car just stopped. I want it fixed right now. I don't want it. Then I hear about the bill, like, oh, I can let that sit a little bit. But yeah, a lot of people just want immediate gratification. They want to mm-hmm. you know, have that pain relieved. And they've taken anything over the counter that doesn't work anymore. Now they're looking for other relief. Mm-hmm. So. Next session on opioid crisis, right? <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
those various online or various websites were kind of designed in the good faith or a good attempt to bridge the gap in knowledge between physicians and patients. And as you said, sometimes it actually magnified that, that gap and it has untoward effects, you know? So anything they can do, I think that the best counseling comes from a, between a provider and a patient. And that conversation, I think, is the most powerful kind of way to first unwind any misinformations that are online. And I certainly spend a big part of, of my time with each patient, unwind sometimes unwinding the misinformation that's out there in spine in the spine world, you know, and then kind of getting to their actual condition and figuring out what uh, what uh, what is the best uh, course for that individual person. So, what are some of the common things that you're unwinding? Mm-hmm. You know that you know patients are coming in and asking you and say, "Hey, that's not kind of." On point. A lot of patients come to me as a uh, second, third, fourth opinion, uh, mm-hmm. for better or for worse. We're told by various other surgeons in town or other doctors in town that they need surgery. They were offered surgery. Maybe their symptoms weren't so bad, or they thought that you know they were offered different surgical opinions or different types of surgery by two different surgeons. Mm-hmm. So now they need a third person to kind of break the tie. And so, and I sometimes I see them. I see these patients almost every day in clinic. And I think unwinding, kind of figuring out what their goals of care are. Of each patient, what I do is like figure out what they're not able to do and what mm-hmm. life are they trying to get back at? And then tailor, individually tailor, this is kind of patient-specific medicine, how to tailor that treatment plan for what their goals are, as opposed to just treating an MRI or treating an X-ray. And a lot of times, some some patients need a smaller operation than what maybe what was quoted to them by other people. And some cases, and, and certainly the stackers, they don't need an operation at all, and they can be treated by something more creative out of the box. So they look at it as... I need surgery, but sometimes it just be physical therapy. It right. could be taking a 10-minute walk yeah. every day. Just a little thing like that can right. be beneficial. How do you think a family can impact uh, a patient's emotional status when it comes mm-hmm. to this? I think, well, I think the family is the sounding board, and, and the patient goes back to the family after, you know, comes from the family in terms of the context of their understanding with a medical condition, and we treat them, and they go back to that family. So the yeah. family is the environment where they will heal. The humbling part is that, you know, I could do an amazing operation, but if they're re- they don't rehabilitate, they're not moving around in their house, they're not being, they're not getting the help that they need, the surgical outcome may not be as good. So the therapy, the rehabilitation process after, say, a surgery is completely dependent on the family. What do you think about social media? Mm-hmm. And how, how, what kind of role does a doctor's part on social media take into kind of creating that interaction with mm-hmm. patients, right? Mm-hmm. So let's say, for example, I needed my eyes fixed. Mm-hmm. I got uh, LASIK surgery. Mm-hmm. And doing that, if I saw one doctor who's on social media telling me about the experience, you know, recording mm-hmm. his patient's testimonials, and then I see this other guy, and, and granted, they mm-hmm. may be one, this one that's not on social media is probably way better than this guy, or not, or mm-hmm. probably equally the same. But what is your opinion as far as on how social media's role is playing as how people are perceiving individuals in organizations? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, well, I think the role of social media is expanding very rapidly, almost so rapidly that sometimes we don't know what to make of it. I know very little about social media. I That's why like I like talking to Dr. Ray. He's talking to this guy. It's very, it's very, when I'm talking to Keith, these conversations are like, you know, he doesn't know what I'm talking about. I, like, I went up on him. Yeah. And I asked Dr. Ray a question. just kind of like, okay, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Point proven. But yeah. Well, I, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, but I do agree with that. I think I still have troubles trying to keep up with the algorithms, mm-hmm. with everything changing. And then you yeah. bring up an excellent point as far as, Patients need to understand 
what sells thee and what's not. What's right. what's what's real and what's fake. And that's a right. huge issue today with social media. And I think the whole internet and internet of things as a whole. Right. And this goes um, for buying anything, any it, any I sort agree. of product, whether it's a watch or or some or finding a doctor. I agree. You know? On Instagram, yeah. I'm scrolling through. I, I went to Macy's the other day and um, I was trying to buy a watch. I didn't yeah. actually buy it, but I spoke about it. And then now I'm scrolling <laughs> through and it's like, oh, these are the watches you like. And it's like now yeah. I could like, man, you know what? It's cheaper, it's better. And then I order it and it comes and it's not nowhere nearly as what I wanted, but yeah. just because I wasn't uh, privy to what's real and what's fake on my right. social platforms, then you yeah. know people do it all the time. Yeah. Search new Google. I can't tell you how ma- how many times I I hate it, mm-hmm. and I don't hate a lot of things, but I hate it when people click the first thing on Google. Right, 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 right. It's like it, it, it's like you think you found the right search and click, mm-hmm. and it's like then you wonder why right. so many things start hitting your mailbox. So right. not a lot of people are privileged to that. And right, I right. Think that's that's a good point you bring up as far as social media and being just savvy, smart, yeah. uh, just having a good understanding. You know, not, mm-hmm. you know, not everybody is as witty as I or as yeah, in my practice, I think more and more people over the over time have starting to find me through social media or through or through the internet in general, you know. And I think what it's done, at least in my practice, is I've seen people come from farther and farther away mm-hmm. to see me. So I think that, especially people people in rural areas, people with not a lot of healthcare, they can find they can engage with a surgeon, subspecialty surgeon, who will have the unique kind of expertise to treat their particular condition, and they can make an appointment either um, as a televisit. So I'm doing a lot of televisits mm-hmm. now. So we're able to reach out to people. A greater radius around the not just the DFW but area but all of Texas so I have patients come to me from Abilene San Angelo and 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 to Oklahoma you know the whole that whole this whole region of the country so I think it's been a great way to reach out how's that experience been for you as far as just transitioning to that telehealth that's probably something you wouldn't have expected when you initially thought you're going to become a doctor so how has that been was it kind of unsettling at first or was it something you just jumped right into we jumped right into it because of covid so we were we, it was a it started as a forced thing but I, it was welcomed you know we 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 it was we wanted to we wanted to reach out with there was patients who i was following who i wasn't allowed to see because of the social distancing okay. rules 50 percent of my clinic time is televisits versus in person you know and and there's i think there's a lot of kinks to work out in terms of figuring out what kinds of patients would be appropriate for a televisit and versus in person there's things that you you can't get from a patient unless you're examining them yeah. you know so Reflex for spine surgery. Reflex. I do a lot of upper cer- cervical surgery, neck kind of st- kind of serious conditions that can lead to a lot of neurologic problems, and so you won't be able to get that information without seeing them in person. But a lot of the initial appointments, and certainly some of the post-operative appointments, mm-hmm. if patients doing well after surgery, they they're from you know say San Angelo or they're from Houston or they're from they're from San Antonio. They come up to Dallas for surgery. You know, I can do some of their post-operative care in um, as a televisit, which I think is really convenient. It, saves them a hotel room, it saves them a lot. We can talk about Xerox, we can talk about Macy's, and then we'll get something on our uh, our social feed that says, hey, Xerox. I'm like, I just talked <laughs> it's about- It's a little stuff. scary, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> very scary. <laughs> but I want something like that for healthcare, meaning if I say, hey, my knee hurts, here goes Dr. So-and-so, or I have a headache, you know, we don't get that, but I think that would be useful. You know, that voice recognition thing, that Google Analytics, and I know it's probably a lot of marketing dollars and ads, but you know, I can't wait to the day to where I can wake up and say, hey, my knee hurts or, you know, my back hurts, and then go to social Instagram and I'm like, hey, doc and so and so. It's coming. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it, it it it's coming. Can I just say that scares me to death? <laughs> 
I start talking about like my health related issues and for mm-hmm. my phone to be listening in and then all of a sudden mm-hmm. for somebody to have all that data that's mm-hmm. saved on you about mm-hmm. what day your knee hurt and you, mm-hmm. you know your shoulder hurt mm-hmm. I mean I, I get it I understand how how amazing that it would be that the information's right there in front of you yeah mm-hmm. but no, maybe I've gotten to the point where I'm just so jaded that I'm afraid that the Google police are going to come one day. And- <laughs> yeah. I would rather have that pop up than a up ad. My oil needs change. I go get that done. When my knee hurts or something else, we say, oh, you know what? That's fine. I can live with it for another six months. But you don't know what you're doing inside. You know, you could be doing something that's causing more damage. I think people need to take more of an investment in themselves. Mm -hmm. And I think with social media and analytics, I think they should, you know, do something kind of, you know, maybe you can, you know, develop something like that. Maybe one day. Let's transition back to uh, reviews real quick. Because I'm kind of curious to know now, Mm -hmm. I spoke to Dr. Vera about his take as a physician. Now, Keith, as a small business owner, do you care about patient, I mean, not patient reviews, user reviews? Do Do you, like go on your Google to see what people are saying about your business? Do you care about like negative comments and con- you know things made about you or how you run your business? See, um, what's, what's, what's the glass door? Have you seen your glass door rating? I have not, but immediately after this, <laughs> immediately after this, I'm gonna go check it. You know, it's something I probably do need to pay more attention to. Probably check it maybe every three or four months just to kind of see what I can do to improve and, and progress and, and, and get better. So, but something I haven't really done, I know I do it when I'm going to buy something, but as far as my own business, I probably should pay more more attention to that because I do want to get better. And if, you know, something is written bad about my company, I want to know why I can do better. What would be, what do you see as the best way to handle kind of these negative comments? Do you, do you uh, fight fire with fire? Do you, you know, just thank you, move along? Do you contact them directly? Let's say you had an employee, mm-hmm. you know, they bashed you. They bashed not you as an individual, but the company and the way things are ran. How would you handle that? You don't have to say exactly, but yeah. like, what would be your take on that? I think, of course, I would digest it and just try <laughs> to come to terms as far as why that review was written. If that person left their information, I would probably reach out to them. If something happened, you know, something like that. I don't think I would be combative and just go in and just write something in response to them. That's not good business at all. I agree. So. I think that's excellent because you do have people out there that troll. Yeah. That just, they they probably couldn't get into your restaurant or Dr. Bear was so booked they couldn't even get in to see you and now they're just they're just going, they're writing reviews from acarly.com and they're just making like some terrible reviews. So I think as an individual and I say to everyone listening, even on social media, if you, when you receive this negative energy, this hate, it don't don't take it with a grain of salt, right? Mm-hmm. Don't don't really feed into it so much. It can be constructive criticism, or it could be just somebody trolling. So I, I like your answer, and I agree with that. Mm-hmm. How can you validate those responses, though? I don't know how to validate them. My notion, what I would do is I would just assume everybody's real, mm-hmm. and by doing that, I would treat each person as an individual that's coming to me with a complaint. I don't have to, like, I agree with you, you don't have to address everything right then and there. Mm-hmm. And you, you can take time to know, but it should be addressed because there's gonna be more comments to follow. Okay, so I have one bad review. So now I say, hey, Marcus, Tracy, can y'all go in and write some good reviews for me? All right. <laughs> 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 you know, I feel like when people ask me to write reviews about them, and, and it's like I haven't had a great time, or it's just like, you know, 
you're doing what you should be doing, and then you ask me to write a review, it's it's almost the equivalent to me as like you know beggars on the street just saying, hey, can I get some change? Mm-hmm. In my opinion, not the same exactly, but it's almost like let me just feel so good about it that I just want to write you the best review, right? That I just want to do it on my own because of service. What? What do you think? That, what? Okay, so now what if outside of reviews, somebody you post something on Instagram and somebody goes in on you? Are you gonna? You know, go in on them? No, no. Come on now. No. <laughs> we can that's, be honest here. That's my image and brand. <laughs> we, can be, we can be honest here. No, if, if somebody says, I hate that punk Marcus, yeah. you know, yeah. you're not going to respond to that? I would. I say I got a lot of haters. And I love them all. <laughs> but, why, but why respond? Perfect example, okay? My girlfriend, she just created a tutorial video of how to do her hair. And then someone commented, you know, everybody left good comments. And then someone said, look, you can just get over yourself. Maybe these videos would be an asset. So I'm like, well, listen, at least she watched the whole video. Mm-hmm. And she said you could be an asset. So maybe just get over yourself or not. Who cares, <laughs> right? But all I, w- all I did was I told her to comment, thank you for the information. And that's mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. And then as soon as she did that, the next day is to follow. Here comes the other people. Oh, Sarah's such a hater. Oh, Sarah, what's wrong with loving yourself? And you see now you feed into the community because there's more than people just watching it. Now, had she fought fire with fire or not responded at all, it would have really showed on her character, I believe. So I would have probably did what she did. I think you're saying that just for TV. I don't agree with you at all. <laughs> I don't agree with you at all. My advice to any physician about engaging in social media is always stay positive. Take conversations offline. Mm-hmm. Uh, for Well, for one thing, there's HIPAA, there's privacy issues involved, yeah, yeah. But, but more important than that is, you know, that human connection and trying to address people's issues directly, I think, always leads to a better outcome. Social media is a great tool. It doesn't replace humanity. It doesn't replace the human connection. So, so should doctors be protected for inaccurate information? Because, again, if a patient is upset and, you know, they're just going in on you, shouldn't you got to be protected as well? I think that the acknowledging and providing the means to contact the physician directly mm-hmm. is appropriate. What's probably not appropriate is discussing or engaging in a conversation mm-hmm. online because that's that's yeah. public public information. Yeah. So I think providing the means for communication and, again, getting it out of the Internet and cyberspace and getting it to a human connection, yeah. I think, is the way to go. Well, then you can really get to the root of the problem. Exactly. Is it yeah. the physician? And you brought up something too as far as HIPAA and, and all these other regulations. Mm-hmm. I, I do think, and I, I'm not sure when, but I, I can see some type of regulation changes due to social media. And I'm mm-hmm. not sure if it's going to be more uh, strenuous, more strict, mm-hmm. or if it's going to kind of ease up and like say, hey, this should be allowed because patients will be in control of their data mm-hmm. at, at one point and at some point mm-hmm. in life. And what blockchain does is it kind of gives me that permission to say, okay, Keith. Here, you can have access to my data, and I give him permission. I mm-hmm. give you permission. Mm-hmm. So I think as when when we start controlling our own data, I think the regulations will have to kind of shift in some way or form. But you brought up a good point as far as how it is now, and and you really can't change regulations off of something that's ever changing on social media. So right as as we mentioned before, is like this these technologies are rap- expanding rapidly, so rapidly that we're trying to now catch up in terms of figuring out how to use it and what's the best way to use it. Can you please just let all of our listeners know, you know, how can they contact you if you're, you know, whether it be social media or email, whatever you feel comfortable with, and just let them know how can they reach out to you for. Mm-hmm 
advice. And mm-hmm. where, where can they find you where they can go look at some reviews? <laughs> sure, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely, yeah. So, I mean, my website's veraspine.com or, or uh, friscospinesurgeon.com, whatever is easier to remember. Okay. I'm on Instagram, and uh, I do a lot of research on various spinal conditions, mm-hmm. and I present a lot of these research findings at different conferences around the world and stuff. And so people, patients can find, kind of uh, figuring Excellent. out what I'm up to. I'm back, kind of back on conference kind of circuit uh, in September and October, oh, wow. presenting at North American Spine Society and uh, Scoliosis Research Society, some of our research that we do at UT Southwestern. And I'd be happy to uh, answer any questions by any of, any of the viewers. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. Thank you very much for joining us on the Medline. Skeet, do you have any last words? Do you want to get any soapbox? No. No, thank you for participating with the MedVets. Again, it's something different that we're trying to uh, put out there in the universe and, mm-hmm. you know, just really engage mm-hmm. doctors, patients, and they are in the community and just really have genuine conversation about healthcare. Thank you for having me.